Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Good evening, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever you are listening. This is the Hooked On Podcast, How To Be Great, with myself, Rob McNichol, and my old mate, the king of Hooked On Wrestling, the squire of how, Mr. Paul Benson. The king there of he is. Wrestling. Hello, mate. You broke your golden rule. You said good evening. I know, I know. I tried to cover it immediately by uh, saying good morning, good afternoon, as if I actually meant it. But you're right. You are quite right. And Paul is right to do that because he knows that I will pick him up on every little tiny mistake. Uh, so he is right to call me on my one right at the top there. I say that because some of you uh, are listening at various different times of the day. Some of you are watching on YouTube. Some of you are listening on whatever podcast um system is available to you but whoever you are wherever you are thank you so much for joining us on this particular podcast this is how to be great what we do here is we take a topic we drill down into it we go through the history of what we're talking about and we pick out our favorite five examples of said topic then it's over to you to vote to see which one wins tonight we are looking i called you the king of hooked on wrestling the squire of how tonight we are looking at wrestling's evil overlord it is the main man himself, Mr. McMahon, Vincent Kennedy Mr. McMahon. Also known as the Paul Benson of WWE. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good indeed. Uh, the one thing I think we're going to have this evening is that horrible um british slash american thing of do we say mcmahon or mcmahon and it's very hard to say uh well so we'll have to try and say vince as much as we can on like because i cannot bear people saying mcmahon in a, in a very strange way um but yeah he's the man and that's who we're going to be talking about tonight uh very shortly but before we get on to i said tonight again before we get on to it uh we will do the result from last week paul last week uh vince wouldn't like this at all last week the focus entirely was on WCW, not only here on the podcast, but throughout hookedonwrestling.co.uk. It was Nitro week. We had a ball uh, having, a look, having a look at some old things from the Nitro era. But the particular question we asked on the podcast was, who is Mr. Nitro? When you think of that particular television show, who is the one person that is your go-to person for that? Paul, uh, tell us uh, a little bit about the five that we came up with between us. Uh, and indeed who the winner was when it went to the public vote. Yes, indeed. So we had five uh, five nominees that we laboured to, um, and the five we came up with were Diamond Dallas Page, Scott Hall, Goldberg, Hulk Hogan, and Sting. They were our five. And I think the right five. Yeah, well, I, what was it very interesting, right, was when we finished doing that record last week, I immediately texted uh, Dina at... Who is the uh, who joined us on Sunday? He was a, he was a fill in on Sunday for our uh, quiz when Paul was uh, off uh, concentrating on other things. More on that perhaps in a moment. 
but uh, Dean is the co-host of Because WCW, one of our other podcasts on the Hooked on Wrestling Podcast Network, uh, a show that Paul and I have both guested on. Um, and so I immediately said to Dean, we've just recorded the podcast. What was your five? And he said the five that we chose. And he had one alternate. You know, he said, oh, maybe you would have included Booker T. Uh, was his like his sixth choice, and I said essentially yeah. if we were numbering it, he would have been asked number seven, wouldn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. So he uh, he was pretty darn close to, uh, if not spot on, to what we went for. So I think we've agreed it's the right five. What did people go for as the number one? I think it's. I would say my instinct would be that they would say Sting. Sting has that WCW franchise player thing going on about him, but really? plenty of the others would uh, be considered to be very integral to Nitro itself. So I would go okay. for Sting, but let's see what they went for. Well, for the very first time, it's almost not worth listing the other four runners-up because, and I would have expected this guy to win in a landslide, and he did. 83% of the votes went to Hulk Hogan. Really? Wow. And it's That's fair. Awesome. He is Mr. Nitro in every conceivable way, in my eyes. I said it last week on the podcast. He, the, the show was built on his shoulders and programming-wise. It was built around him for at least four of the years that it was on air. He's Mr. Monday Nitro. The rest were playing for second place. Uh, and in fact, you know, the second, second place was Sting um, with 12% of the votes, but um, a long, long, long way behind so Hogan wins. That might be Hogan's first win on one of our polls. I'm not quite sure. Obviously, we're not necessarily uh, not every, every week, you know, including the entire wrestling world. Only so so many people are eligible each week, so it's not fair to look at it that way. But we often find that uh, certain people do pop up winning very, various uh, polls on here. But uh, it can vary. But Hogan in a landslide is Mr. Nitro, as far as you all are concerned. Now, if he was Mr. Nitro, surely Mr. Raw is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. It could be Austin, it could be Brett, it could be Cena, it could be lots of others. But I'm sure you could have an argument for it being VKM himself. And Vince is the topic of conversation tonight. We are essentially asking, what is the greatest Vince McMahon moment? Now, we've just got a couple of things to cover uh, before we get into the meat and drink of what we're going to choose. We are in a kayfabe world here, folks. So we are not saying it's when... Uh, Vince took over some territories. It's not when he signed Hulk Hogan. Uh, no. It's not when... I don't think we'll even necessarily... To me, we wouldn't even really include the uh, the speech he gave that essentially said that, um, that wrestling was entertainment. You know, that famous one where, you know, we, we can compare it to entertainment shows like Seinfeld. Now, I'm, yeah. I wouldn't even include that, really, because to me, that's not in a kayfabe world. So anything that's a real-life thing, we're not necessarily including. Uh, what we're talking about is the character of Mr. McMahon, really, and his greatest on-air moments. I've got a long list in front of me. Some of them are the some of the more well-known uh, ones that we're familiar with through the the, uh, the the gamut of things that he's done. Others are a little bit different. I'm not sure yet what my my picks will be. But any uh, anything else to uh, let ever, anyone know about Paul before we really get into the uh, the chat here? No, I think um, things are starting to calm down here at Hooked on Events after our huge SummerSlam event, our Nitro week. I finally got time to come up and breathe. Um, so it'd be good. It'd be nice to do a podcast without having to plug every last thing on earth, won't it? Okay, no more plugs then, other to uh, to address one thing. Uh, what is your name? This name. 
didn't ask that. I said, what is your name? My name is Paul Benson, but you may My have noticed. But, but for those, those of you that can't see the screen, Paul has written Darren Moonday uh, on the screen as his, as his on-screen name. Now, some will ask why. I will tell you my version of events. On Sunday night when we do the quiz on Hooked on Wrestling on the Facebook channel, YouTube channel, we have a great fun. We ask some trivia questions. We give away some stuff. Thank you to www.euroshop.com. Is it Euroshop or Eurozone? Euroshop, isn't it? Euroshop. Let me get it right. Euroshop.com. Uh, thank you um, to them for continuing to uh, supply us this week. We gave away uh, a rather funky Drew McIntyre shirt, and we give away things every week on the show. We have some fun. We have some giggles. We have a couple of beers. We get together, uh, and we pretend that the world isn't going to uh, rack and ruin uh, all around us. Um, this week, Paul couldn't make it. Usually, it's Paul and I uh, that host with help from our special referee, Chris Hatch. For the first time since this has been going, Paul couldn't make it. So we got a replacement in. Dean did it with me. Uh, we had fun. We went over time because Paul wasn't there to uh, to keep me uh, in line. Oh, my I got a question wrong, uh, as I often do uh, in, in, in explaining it, again, because Paul wasn't there to hold me in place. But quite often through the night, we took the mick about his absence. We, we even wound him up on Twitter. I got everyone in the room in the chat to send Paul their favourite sandwich <laughs> fillings to anger him because he was away for the weekend. Anyway... A newcomer came along and won the quiz. Someone we'd not heard of before, did very well on their trivia, scored plenty of points. Not many bonus points, it has to be said, but scored very highly on the quiz, and they won. Now, the winner doesn't win anything on our quiz other than the kudos of everyone around them. The person that wins the shirt is a random drawing of all people that are part of the quiz. So the actual winning of the event is not important. It doesn't matter. But the winner went by the name of Darren Moonday. And it was not until some 20 minutes after the show had finished on Sunday night when Paul was texting to ask how it went that he revealed <laughs> his true identity. <laughs> Paul had surreptitiously snuck into the room under an alias, pretended to be someone else, created a Facebook account. <laughs> he already has it for other nefarious purposes. Who can tell? It's brand new. And basically wound me up. I've even found out that Dean Ayas was in on it. <sighs> I'm very angry, folks. Now, I was going to keep this quiet and not say anything about it because I thought, oh, people will say that's not very nice, Paul winning his own quiz. But Paul is obviously not what bothered by this because he's put his name, his alias, on our screen. Do you want to explain yourself? Hey, look, I, I was away for the weekend. The reason I absented myself on the quiz is because we were in a little cottage where I thought the Wi-Fi would be far too bad to broadcast, even by our shoddy Wi-Fi standards. As it turns out, it was really good. So I thought, oh, well, so I spoke to Dean. I said, look, I can do this now if you don't, you know, if you don't want to take the time or whatever. And he was really looking forward to it. So he wanted to carry on. So I thought, well, I've got a rare opportunity now. I can go in and play because I love doing these quizzes and I love setting them. But I also love doing a quiz and I've not had a chance to do a wrestling quiz all of this whole lockdown season. So I thought I'm going to play and I'm going to play legitimately. Um, to test myself against these guys. And I did all right. I did all right. I, uh, I defeated the mighty Patrick Heafield. Um, and I think I proved myself. And I was, I honestly, hand on heart, played it completely legit. I told Dean I was coming into it, but I also told him to not give me his questions or his themes or anything. So I played just like everybody else played. And it was a great quiz. And I did okay. And Rob had absolutely no idea, nor did Chris. Um, I was I was chatting away to them. I was corresponding. I was joining in the banter, and they had no idea it was me. 
and it was so so funny. Amused myself more than anyone, but really amused myself. Some people will quote the great philosophers, the great thinkers of our time, the great works of literature. I shall quote Dino Lachlan, who was a uh, contestant on Big Brother Series 2. Right. When he once said, have you heard of the expression hook, line and sinker? Well, that was hook, line, sinker, rod, <laughs> angler's arm. The lot has gone. All that's left is a little seat on the riverbank. Absolutely outstanding work on your part. Uh, we won't be too self-indulgent about this. We'll leave it there. But I suffice to say, I would say in the winding the other one up stakes, I'm probably in the lead. I get Paul more often than he gets me. But he got me a belter last week. So and, uh, you always have to hold your hands up when someone outfoxes the fox. So well done. Uh, isn't this Sunday going to be fun? Tune in, everyone, 8 o'clock on Sunday. Now, I said no more plugging, and then we talked about something else for five minutes. Let's get back on track. The equivalent of you letting me know that you are Darren Moonday, that was your moment of pulling back the hood. It was me, Austin. That was your moment, wasn't it? Paul, the higher power. Oh, so they say. So they say, yes. I was the higher power all along, Darren Moonday. Would the higher power, the reveal of Vince McMahon to be behind that whole storyline involving The Undertaker, Stephanie, various others, would that in be included anywhere near the top of your list of the greatest McMahon moments? Really great place to start because I thought it was a wonderful moment. Brilliant reveal, really well executed exciting, you know, typical over-the-top Vince McMahon, you know, very, very, it, you know, was it 99 it took place? It was 99, wasn't it? it very, very of its time. But the problem was it was just so underwhelming as a reveal. It shouldn't have been him. It should have been, who were the candidates back then? Jake the Snake Roberts and Raven. The, most, never gonna the be. most interesting story that I've heard subsequently is that at one point it was going to be Christopher Daniels. Really, I don't think I've ever heard that. I think, I'm think I'm fairly certain I heard it on the on a Bruce podcast that the, the Christopher Daniels is his um, fallen angel character was was wow. at one point the, uh, the a huge candidate for that. So uh, that wow. would have been very interesting, wouldn't it? It would have been very interesting. So unfortunately, I can't rate this that highly as a moment because it disappointed so much. But in isolation, it was so much fun. I think the execution of it is hard to fault. Um, yeah. Vince in his absolute over-the-top pantomime. Can you imagine Vince doing a panto? Oh, he'd be the best. Do you, think, do you think Vince knows what panto is? Absolutely not. But the, the, ironically, because wrestling, ultimately, you know, when you watch a WWE Live event, it is one giant panto. But he probably oh, no, has no panto. Exactly. Yeah. He's behind you. Um, but he is, he is the ultimate pantomime baddie. And that is a huge compliment. Because that yeah. is what... That is what he is. That's what he excels at. And he's, he's never better than when his eyes bulging, going completely over the top. What, you know, what is that walk, if not you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. a trademark pantomime entrance? Um, so, yeah, no, he, that would be, if you could sit down and explain to him exactly what a pantomime was, and you told him he was the greatest pantomime performer never to be in a pantomime, I think he'd take it as an enormous compliment. Reality show idea for the WWE Network. Bring Vince <laughs> to the UK in January and film him t 
taking his grandkids to a panto. That'd be the greatest thing I've ever seen. I think take the an old, take an out, Lynn. Well, uh, oh yes, oh yes, he is. Oh no, he isn't. Is essentially uh, our version of "Let's go, Cena." Cena sucks. Uh, as Paul said, wrestling is panto. Discuss. That's a, a topic for another week. Um, but uh, I, I think Vince is at his best. I seem to recall Vince does a reveal and JR on commentary just goes, son of a bitch. <laughs> about it. It's beautifully played all round. I share a different, well, I share your reservation. I share a slightly different one. Um, or I have a slightly different one, I should say, which is that it doesn't make sense. You know, the, the, it's, it's not a storyline that really makes any sense. It's that everything that had happened up until then, it absolutely felt like, you know, we'll find someone that it makes sense. We, we talked extensively last week about Hogan in the WCW era. Well, had that not been Hogan as the third man, had that have been Sting or had that have been someone else, you'd have gone, that doesn't make any sense. And the whole NWO thing could have been, you know, dead before it started. As it was, no one made more sense than Hulk Hogan because yep. of the way that they'd already built that story. And I think that, Hogan would have been a better choice for higher power, you know, than than Vince. Well, I think they they started calling it the greater power, then went to higher power, or the other way around. I don't remember which way which way around they did it, but um, either way, it didn't work. Um, It was very strange. It was very convoluted, and so yeah, my down vote would be against the uh, the general storyline there, not really looking all that great when you look back on it. And I think a few of the things that I've written down sort of fall into that sort of category, which is that. When you look at them, they're very memorable for various reasons, but they're memorable either for something going wrong or for being funny for the wrong reasons, you know, or, or something like that. Do, do you know what I mean by that? There's there's a few of those that a lot of people have brought up when we've asked it on social media that I really feel like they've certainly if we were doing the most memorable uh, Vince moments, I think they would be very memorable, such as, and I want to gloss over this because I really don't want to talk about it in too much detail, such as, him blowing his quads out at the Rumble in 2005 because it's not scripted. It's not meant to happen. I don't really like laughing at people's real life misfortune. He will consider that a very embarrassing moment in his career. And, and it's to, to me, it's not, it's not, it's by no means a great moment. It's quite an embarrassing moment. And I absolutely wouldn't include anything like that. And there's a couple of other things like that, which are things going a bit wrong. And I don't mean going wrong for the character. I mean, going wrong in, in either storyline terms or yeah. uh, it being a good moment at the time, but then didn't play out. Like, for example, I would say probably the um, the shaking hands with, with Steve Austin at the end of WrestleMania 17, an unbelievable moment, very, you know, uh, eye-catching. And, oh, it's an OMG moment, to use the Slammy Award term. But long-term, you go, well, actually, it didn't really go anywhere to the you know to the right extent, and it was a bit weird, and it the way it went yeah. into the start of the invasion – to me, I can't include that as a great moment because I'd rather it hadn't happened. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, very similar in, in the fact that I was gobsmacked, floored, bowled over when it happened. But ultimately, it led to not what you expected. So, yeah, I, I, I would probably have that around about my list, but I don't think it would make the top, top, of the, top of the pile for that very reason. No, I, I, I think so. I think so, because um, I think we are and think, allowed. And I, think, and I think that's more of, if we're getting technical, I do would consider that more of an Austin moment where Vince was a prop um, rather okay, than well, a classic from our moment. That's interesting. I mean, we'll come to that in, in certain things because, um, okay, let's do this next then. Since you've just said that, 
let's do this one next because I absolutely think this is a Vince McMahon moment, but you might not feel it is. I'm going to say Armageddon 1999, if I'm getting my years right. Um, Steph turning on Vince, hitting him with the sledgehammer or allowing Triple H in with the sledgehammer and her aligning with Triple H. To yep. me, that needs talking about. That to me is a Vince moment. It's more a Triple H and Steph moment, but it's absolutely still a Vince moment for me. Yep, I would agree with that. And I suppose my criteria is fairly, you know, self-indulgent, but I would see because they're adversaries, um, that's, you know, equal. It's their, it's their moment. You know, it's his moment just as much as it is Triple H and Steph's. Bit arbitrary, maybe, but yeah, I agree with you. It's that's a that's a Vince moment. That's when he plays a major pine and was also a major moment for his character. So, yeah, I think that's that's very valid to discuss and a cracker as well, by the way. Not one I thought of. It sets up what happened the following year. You know, he sets up a few months of the McMahon Helmsley. Oh, sorry. Well, first of all, the McMahon Helmsley faction in terms of the you know the, the era of her yeah. of Steph and, and Triple H, you know, running the rule. Um, Triple H being champion early in 2000. The, you know, 2000 was very, to me was Triple H's year. And it's it's the year in which oh, he grew yeah. from being someone relatively near the top to the absolutely top guy in the company um, in storyline and in reality. Plenty of haters in the world for Triple H for various different reasons as a human being, as a character, whatever. But if you don't think that Triple H was probably the most important cog in the wheel in the year 2000 in the WWE... I think you're looking at it from a very one-eyed perspective. He was hugely important and doing some great work. Um, But he was allowed to do it because of how nefarious he was against Vince. And then when Vince joined him, essentially, at WrestleMania, I suppose it was, wasn't it? Um, And then you've got the whole McMahon Helmsley faction, um, or the regime, or the factimes, I think uh, Edge and Christian called them, um, all the way through 2000. So it's the setup for so many things. The uh, the Triple H Steph Vince thing from Armageddon. So to me, it's it's definitely one to consider. Yeah, fine by me. I'll 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 definitely keep that under consideration. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned. It. I'm gonna. You, I'm, I hope you can lead this because I think you've probably got you've probably given this more depth of thought than I've been able to. I I'll, I'll be honest. I thought of a, gr- a number of great moments, but not a huge amount. So I'll be really interested to see what you come up with because that was one that I totally agree with, but never crossed my mind. Okay, I think we could have a lot of these tonight because of the fact that this is this is actually a bit harder than our normal topics where you would normally say, what's the best match that X person has had or what's the, you know, a moment for this or the best match in this um, particular pay-per-views history and whatever. They're a little bit more easy to pin down, aren't they? They're not quite so nebulous in terms of we're talking about someone. When was the the Mr. McMahon character realistically is from sort of early 1998. Um, yeah. So therefore... We've got 22 years worth. I know he's not been on the screen the whole time, but we've got a lot of, you know, for him to be involved with. And he was involved with a lot. Um, mostly it's with Austin. And I think the most of the moments that we're going to think about are going to be with Austin. So do we cross the Austin bridge now, come up with the Austin ones that we want now, or do we save that for the end? Because I think we probably need to do a lot of Austin altogether, really, because, you know, we're not going to include, like for example, folks, one of our moments is not, the Steve Austin Vince McMahon feud. That's not a moment. That's something that was going on for years. We're talking about a promo, a match, an angle on a specific night, even at one sentence, if you like. But um, so we wouldn't say Austin McMahon. But I'm not personally speaking. I'm not against all five being Vince Steve mo- moments. If that's the the best ones, if that's how it plays out, I think we should do it now because it's so dominant that 
we need to get we need to discuss these and then see if anything else can match up to that. Okay, uh, I'm going to start and I'm going to offer up two or three to begin with that are not really. I, I won't say they're not ones I wouldn't consider. Well, no, no, certainly a couple of them are ones I wouldn't consider. There are a couple of ones that I think are very memorable because you've seen them so many times. There are certain things that the the people making the clips and making the old videos and, and whatever will always go to. You know, there are, aren't there? There are certain moments of everyone's career right. in raw history and whatever history where people will go to those certain moments. And a couple of these are on the list. For example, I'm really not a fan of, let's call it, Bang 316. Really? Well, first of all, I think using a, bringing a gun as a prop in and having it be a comedy thing is ridiculous. I, I don't think a gun is a laughing matter. I don't like the Pillman. Pillman's got a gun angle either because I think it's, it's controversy for controversy's sake. I don't like the idea of Steve having a gun. I like it even less that it's a comedy thing. And I like it even less that basically Vince pisses himself. And that's what we're meant to laugh at. So no, I, I don't like that angle at all. Um, and well, I think I, it's in people's minds because it's just been repeated so often. I disagree. I, I enjoyed it then and I get a kick out of it now. You 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 were right about the fact that you know firearms don't have a place in wrestling, clearly, um, but it fit with Austin's character. He was a hunter. He was hunting Vince, and he got in Vince's head and made him think that he was going to take it too far. And that was the whole gist of it. Basically, the whole gist of it was Vince McMahon couldn't believe that Austin would take it so far as to use a gun in a wrestling angle. Well, in fact, he didn't. He used a toy gun, but he allowed. Austin to get in his head and think that he was going to do that. And the comeuppance was the, the bang 316. I think, I think it was a wonderful moment of turning the tables on a bully, terrorizing a bully and, uh, and embarrassing him publicly. I, you know, it might not fly now, but this is 21, 22 years ago. I thought it was great. It was good fun. I thought it was the right, the right usage of, of the wrong props. If you like. I think you can be more creative and do it with a different sort of, not necessarily even a weapon, but a different kind of threat, uh, even just threatening to beat him up as opposed to having a gun. Uh, and I certainly, you know, would, would do it without, you know, the uh, the, the urine humour, which to me is you know, almost never necessary. I can't think of a single example of, uh, of if that they were, work. If they were doing it every week, I would agree. But it was... You know, Vince, the Miss McMahon character is alpha male, you know, preening, you know, doesn't like to show any vulnerability. And Austin went to a place, we're probably overanalyzing this, it's very silly and, and, and chart and, you know, toilet humor here, but went to a place where he made him, I thought it was great. I thought it was the, probably the only example of, you know, sick, you know, who, you're in whatever you're whatever in wrestling that I think has genuinely got a place. I think it worked. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that one. I think <laughs> um, there's two that I want to bring in together. And I think they're, I actually quite like both of these in, in their, in their essence. But what I'm essentially getting at here is that one of my theories about wrestling, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say this very grandly as if I've come up with this by no means my theory, but a theory that I subscribe to is that the very best things are there to draw money. Now, not absolutely every single tiny thing has to, you know, sell hundreds of thousands of tickets, but 
to me, the whole point of everything is to try and further a storyline to do something else to really, really try and draw money. A couple of these things, and I'm not including that last one, by the way, but a couple of these things are great moments that are funny and are cool, but I don't think anyone saw it and went, I am definitely going to buy a ticket now I've seen that. And I'm going to include two things. They are absolutely integral to uh, the Austin Vince storyline. Uh, I have no problem with them. I'm not slagging them. I'm just saying they don't, to me, they aren't up, right up here of the very, very greatest things ever. I think they're funny, but I think they're, you know, they're cute rather than money drawing. And they're very similar. I'm going to say the uh, the clothesline off of the top of the Zamboni uh, and the beer bath with, with Vince oh. swimming in the ring. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, you're probably right to, to rank them together. Both really funny moments, like uh, building blocks in the feud. Raw was like that back in the day, wasn't it? It would, it would have the match, you know, they have the action, but it would build to a moment with Austin versus McMahon, and whether that be, you know, I won't spoil some of the ones we might talk about in a while. I'll rephrase that, but you know, they always built to a moment either of Vince getting one over Austin, or more often than not, Austin ending the episode by getting one over Vince. And both of those kind of fall into that bracket, basically that humiliation um, of the McMahon character. And he played it absolutely brilliantly every time. He was so over the top in that character, embracing the humiliation. And it what is what it made it work, you know. And both, I, I think I prefer the beer, the swimming in the beer to the clothes iron off the Zamboni to that effect. Um, the clothes iron off the Zamboni was great but um i think the 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 swimming in the beer was kind of really what the to me what the essence of austin mcmahon was all about um and it was those tiny comeuppances that they got because and and which made the feud work and he was it was roadrunner against wiley coyote wasn't it yeah roadrunner always got away in the end and coyote the coyote had an anvil dropped on his head or ran into a wall or whatever and that was that was what that was and it worked a treat Tom and Jerry, itchy and scratchy. Exactly. Same way in the uh, in the end. Um, again, I don't dislike that. Don't dislike those two moments, but I think there are other ones that are more effective in in progressing other things. One of which I'll come to in a second. And there's also a couple of uh, I would say angles that fit the the whole show that had a great closing angle that was not only memorable but that took it down uh, then another route. Those of which I'll come to, but before we get to them, I've got one more. I think really on the or two more on the uh, uh, on the uh, Vince versus Austin thing. One of them is Vince winning the Rumble. Yes. Uh, in terms of, I don't know how many of these we're going to have in terms of being actual matches, but you have to talk about Vince winning the Rumble. It's so memorable. It actually ends up making it not the greatest Royal Rumble ever because the story takes over from the action. But if you go to the the, um, the roster that WWE had then, they're absolutely hot, but there was no one really, because Rock's the champ. And so there's no one really, other than Austin, that you, you could feasibly see winning the Rumble. No. And so the story had to be Austin and Vince, and Vince winning and what it all led to, I just don't have a problem with it like some people do. Historically, it doesn't stand up so well as, you know, watching you know, Yokozuna get his title shot or watching Shawn Michaels go coast to coast or Benoit or, um, or Ray or, or, you know, any of the other great rumbles, but flair, obviously. Um, but to me, it, it made sense in context and it's, a, it's a really, really well told story all night long. 
Yep. Um, I just thought it were it worked so well in the context of, of what they were doing. What what year was that again? Uh, it would be ninety nine. Yeah, I just probably one of the highlights. To be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I I'm not, sorry, I haven't got anything more to add to that one. <laughs> okay, yeah, I covered sorry. that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. We can put it. Th- we'll put it through, shall we? Into the uh, into the chat at the yes, end of definitely. the show. I'll write that one down. I have one other one before I get on to um, you know three that I would like to certainly push for a wee bit. Um, is I don't know. Should we mention this? Probably falls into your category of what you were saying about the end of WrestleMania 17, where Vince is in it, but he's not the focus. Um, in some ways, I'm talking about the pushing and shoving match. Uh, between Austin and Tyson on the Raw after the Raw Rumble 1998. Specifically, because at this point, we've not really seen... We've done the screw job. We've done Brett screwed Brett. But we're not fully into Mr. McMahon territory at this point. Mm. To me, I think people will always say, oh, it's, it's uh, it's the Bret Hart stuff that is where Mr. McMahon came. I disagree. I think that's a byproduct that ha- that just happened. I think when they spotted that Vince could do something was here. And I think it is in three specific words or four, actually. You ruined it. Damn it. I love Vince leaning through those ropes, trying to get at Austin. Damn it. You ruined it. And screaming at him. And it's like, yeah, in that moment, that starts. That's the first time it really becomes Vince versus Steve. Really? I yeah. think there's probably a point in nine. Is there a point in '97 where Austin stuns Vince, um, because Vince is trying to look out for him, and um, Austin's yes. on the injury list? You know, so we've already had some bits that, are, but to me, that was just Austin stunning authority figures at that point. It wasn't specifically a Vince thing. This no, is the point to me where it becomes a Vince thing, and then after WrestleMania, it's the easy way or the hard way. Yeah, and I, I mean, but I yeah. think it begins on the Tyson night. So I, I, I'm not certain I get it in my five. But I think if we're charting the career path of Mr. McMahon, to me, this is the night it started. That's when the feud started. I think I think you're absolutely right. I remember that. I remember it really well, and that was what sold the moment, really, wasn't it? McMahon raging at Steve Austin because he's you know scuppered this massive investment he's put in. And if you if you're talking kayfabe terms, that's probably what would tip McMahon over the edge. You know, he disliked Austin before, but yeah. You know, that would make it a personal vendetta. So it's a key moment, a great moment. Um, but yeah, probably just because it w- was not his moment again, maybe not the top one, but but sensational part of a great angle. Yeah, I think if I, if you were telling the story, you know, I think this would kind of be like the prologue. You know, this is kind of what you know right. set everything in motion. I I think page one, chapter one. Is the night uh, is you know is the easy way or the hard way? I think that's where yeah. it really starts. Yeah. But this is very much a, a sensible building block to get you to where it's the pre-credit sequence, you know, to get you to where you need to be uh, on on chapter one, page one uh, for me. Yeah, is, is it enough? To, is it enough to go into the five? Probably not, but let's see. What about um, easy way or the hard way? Now that one is, yeah, that. That was started it all, really, didn't it? Like, you know, that night after WrestleMania, Austin's won the title. I don't remember quite clearly, but I don't I don't think it was obvious. It wasn't completely obvious that we were going to go Vince McMahon against Steve Austin, was it? I don't think. Um, I don't think so. 
I think, you know, Vince had obviously, you know, as we've just discussed, he'd, he'd sort of come out of the closet as the owner, as it were. He was deeply unpopular for what he did to Bret Hart. Um, but I don't think you just, I don't think you immediately went, oh, well, as soon as he beats Shawn Michaels for the belt, it's going to be a feud with Vince McMahon. But that was the moment. There just seemed to be so much drama that happened in Raw in those couple of weeks after WrestleMania. So much happened so quickly. Um and that was such a catalyst for arguably the most important feud. No, not arguably, the most important feud in WWE history. Um, so I can't, in, in every way it has to be there. It was a great moment in of itself. It was a massively important moment. And Vince McMahon was the the key antagonist. So, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely on the list. It's really the moment where... Absolutely, everything goes from there, and I wonder. I suspect they didn't think you know this is something that's going to run for the next couple of years, and then we're going to run everything off of this. But I suspect they knew that it was going to go uh, uh, a certain amount. Uh, right, next up, it's yep. the one that's the most similar to the, uh, the to the Zamboni, to the beer bath, but it's actually one that I think is better than all of those, and it. It, it's it's genuinely funny, it's genuinely interesting in the storyline, and it genuinely gave rise to a couple of other things. It's the night that Vince was in hospital, oh. and I and I include the whole show because people will refer to bedpan McMahon, McMahon, you yeah, know, the whole I'll take it from here, nurse, the attack, the bedpan, the enema, but to me, in the same breath, you have to talk about mankind trying to entertain Vince, and oh, that begat uh, Mr. Socko. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, yeah, you're right. It's a whole performance, isn't it? You know, it is not one singular moment, but it's certainly a singular turn, as it were. It was, it's an act in of itself. Um, and Austin just put the exclamation point on that. What really sold that whole night was cantankerous McMahon in the bed being peak Vince McMahon, wasn't he? Like in every single way, like he showed off his his sexism, his ego, his disdain for you know people who weren't you know looking like himself, as in in, in mankind. Um, it's manipulation. It was a, a masterclass. It was an absolute masterclass in comedy um, and character. So yeah, I think. I think it's going to be a very strong contender. Um, one of the funniest scenes in WWE history, and ultimately the, the Mr. McMahon character, as threatening as it is, is a comic character. Um, it's a cartoon character. And that was one of his finest hours. Agreed. Uh, I've got two more, I believe, on the, uh, on the Austin front. And Go they're on. a little bit similar, um, but they are basically... Raw angles with a very memorable conclusion. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm not going to necessarily do them in, in an order, but I'll do the, the order in which I can think of them. But um, I'm going to say April the 13th, 1998. It's the night where Steve Austin and Vince would finally have their match. Uh, yeah. And it's when uh, Steve Austin is supposedly about to wrestle Vince with one arm tied behind his back. And then yeah. we see Dude Love and that whole angle around there, that angle all the way through the show, building up to their match, the 
iterations of bringing in the Stooges and working with Vince, getting him pumped up. And if you watch that sort of 10 or 15 minute closing segment of Vince coming out, Austin coming out, the Stooges being there, slaughter, the tying up, the intensity, the angle of the the, the, the crowd intensity, the, the uh, announcers, you know, to, to Mick coming out, it is played to perfection. And everyone in the building is absolutely enraptured by what's happening. And not only is it entertaining television, you don't get a payoff. That means it's gonna, you're going to have to wait even more for something else to happen. And it furthers something else between Austin and Dude Love. I think it's just, I think it's exceptional. Yeah, I, I agree. And the beauty of it all is, and again, looking back in hindsight, you know, as educated wrestling fans, as we, as we like to think of ourselves as now, it's obvious that they weren't just going to give away Austin McMahon on a throwaway episode of Raw in 1998, but you bought it. Like, you know, we, I don't know about you, but I remember being pumped during that show, and I was convinced they were, uh, were going to have that match. And then at the end, when they didn't, it just didn't it didn't you didn't feel let down you didn't feel cheated you just felt ready to see the next chapter great storytelling um yeah hard hard you know as good as my mom i think he's had better moments i think the the beauty was in the booking rather than the rather than the man character on that particular occasion but it was a great moment. I, would agree. I would agree with that and again i'm sort of not i i'm not necessarily classifying these as being the best thing that Vince ever did. I'm more thinking of them as being the best angle that happened to include Vince. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. more my, yeah, yeah. more yeah. My, my way of looking at it. Um, and interesting that this is, this is April, 1998, the first official match that Vince is in, if you look at it that way, but we wouldn't get Austin versus McMahon one-on-one and an actual one-on-one match until February the following year. Yeah. I mean, you can include the Rumble. You can include there's a couple of um, you know other battles and whatever along the way. But essentially, a one-on-one match. You're waiting until um, Saint Valentine's Day Massacre uh, in uh, 1999. Before I go on to that in specifics, um, because that could very well be included in, in itself. That match at Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, um, the bump onto the table, the introduction of Paul White, the finish with the um, the cage breaking, etc, etc. But I would like to offer up the Monday before that. Um, the Monday before that was the corporate gauntlet. Do you remember that? I remember not in great detail, if I'm honest. Okay, well, I'll be honest. The corporate gauntlet in, in itself is not absolutely amazing. Um, it's essentially everyone that's in the corporation at that point getting their ass kicked by Austin. But eventually, with a bit of help of the, the, the boss man and the nightstick, they beat Austin down. McMahon is the last member of the gauntlet, and he pins Austin and gets his victory. But it's not any of that that I'm bringing up. That is the night where the corporate team pulled Austin into the corner and had him lying with his head back against the bottom turnbuckle while Vince was screaming in his face. Oh, and it is that iconic moment between these two who look desperate to get at each other. Vince, even though he's obviously using his team uh, to win the match, looks like he wants to fight Austin. Austin is raging and being held back, and the two of them are face-to-face like this. And it basically ends, I think Michael Cole's on comms there, and it basically ends with them saying, you have to tune in to St. Valentine's Day Massacre on Sunday. And to me, it's one of the greatest sells 
for a pay-per-view I can ever think of. You had to watch that and go, I have to watch what happens on Sunday. I don't know. I don't know how you could not watch the pay-per-view that week. Do you know what I mean? It just is such a, that is such an iconic picture, an iconic moment. I feel like the build-up to it doesn't quite do it justice to probably get it into this list because mm. you didn't know what I meant. And the fact that I said the corporate gauntlet and you sort of thought it was one of those angles on Raw that could have been various Austin B. McMahon angles. But it's that bit at the end. It's that famous, famous picture. I'm sure you will know what I mean, folks, with the two of them face-to-face like that. It is just – if you had to use a picture to describe that whole era – that's the one you probably use. That's the picture. That's the iconic image. And and you're right. I don't. I'm. I i do not remember. I'm. I'm going to go back and watch it as soon as we finish this podcast, because that sounds awesome. But I do. I do remember the image rather than the the moment. Uh, so yeah, it's probably not going to make the cut. But what an image that was. And you're right. If, if as you've described is accurate, then you you're dead right. You know that is the cell of all cells for a pay per view. I think if um. If that had come at the end of the arm behind the back, do you know what I mean? If that was the conclusion of that angle, then <laughs> stratospheric yeah. number one. You know, it's the fact that it, uh, it falls across the two of them. Yeah. Uh, I think I am done with the Steve versus Vince things, unless you would like to offer one. Uh, no, nope. you've covered all the ones I had on my list. It's quite a lot there, actually, isn't there? Um, uh, what I would say... The ones that I've bracketed to uh, to put through, I would say we've got the uh, bedpan McMahon winning the Rumble, easy way or the hard way, the Armageddon, Steph turnouts, that's a different, that's not uh, Austin, and the arm behind the back. So I think we've got five that are through to the next uh, phase, as it were, so far. I'd chuck ban for me, I'd throw Bang 316 in as well, but I don't think you're keen, so... Well, we've, we've generally had a rule on here that we've, we we're a sort of, we can veto, can't we? Really, and it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We both have to have some sort of agreement, and I certainly wouldn't have that. So, I think well, it's we, not uh, making a five. Then, if you if you feel that strongly, it's got no chance. Yeah, uh, that's more my point. Is that you know we're going to get to a point. Every, all of these topics tend to have you know ten or a dozen things that we are agreed on, and so therefore that if there's one that I'm against, it's not going to get through, and and indeed vice versa. Um, Okay, I've led a lot of those. Let's uh, let's uh, let's have you, uh, Darren, uh, bring up something here. <laughs> okay, um, let's go. I'm just trying to think where I want to go next. It's quite quite. It's been around for so long. That's the thing. Okay, I'm going to go for one of my top picks, actually, and indeed probably one that many people remember will will remember very well. Um, we were on the WCW theme last week. Um, so we might as well continue that to a degree now. What about when Mac- Vince McMahon bought WCW? And in, there's the inverted commas. You heard them in my voice and you gave voice to them. Um, what about that, that Nitro, that final Nitro? The sheer act of Vince McMahon appearing on Monday Nitro, That's to me that one line is enough to, to have it under consideration. But again, his performance throughout the night, you know, some personal vendettas furthered, some storyline vendettas built on, built for, remember, WrestleMania 17, just around the corner. Um, the, the, the the sort of smug arrogance of getting the ultimate win over his competition at the end when he got the contract that he was going to sign live at WrestleMania, only to again get thwarted, this time by his own flesh and blood, um, because there's a name on the contract, it does say McMahon. 
but it's Shane McMahon. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a moment that could easily, have, you know, it was always going to be iconic, but it could have easily been rushed, underplayed, overplayed. There's so much that could have gone wrong with it, but I thought they got it just right. So well, there was- that would be it for me. You're right about that point about it was always going to be iconic. There are some moments in history that it is not like, for example, I'm not saying it's a bad piece of commentary, but there's some people on the pitch. They think it's all over. It is now is not necessarily a wonderful piece of commentary. It's okay, but it's wonderful because it's the moment that Jeff Hurst scores England's fourth goal in England win the world cup. Correct. The same with one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. It's not necessarily, um, Neil Armstrong said it wrong. He didn't say what he meant to say. But he could have, you know, landed on the moon and gone, you know, look at me, mum. Or he could have said anything. And it was always going to be iconic because it was the first words anyone said, you know, setting foot on the moon. So you're right. Anything that would have happened on this night would be iconic. But we're not talking iconic. We're talking great. But I do think it's great. And I agree with you. I think it's really interesting. This is probably all the ones that we're going to talk about the closest to blurring lines. Yeah. Because you sort of get, is it the real Vince? You know, a sort of storyline Vince, a sort of real Vince talking to the crowd and mentioning various different wrestlers and getting them to cheer or boo whether he wanted them, whether they wanted him to sign Goldberg or Jeff Jarrett or Scott Steiner or Lex Luger or whomever. You know, that feels like that was the real Vince doing that. And then at some point they went, okay, click, storyline. Yeah, that's definitely. When they went into the chain thing. I wonder, do you think if that whole deal had gone through a month later, that they would have had Shane be the uh, the owner of WCW? Did they only have it because those two happened to be feuding at the time and they were going to a WrestleMania match? Let's not forget, folks, this was Monday night before WrestleMania. This is the yeah. last, this is the go-home show. This is the night where everything should be perfect between your title matches and your grudge matches and all this kind of stuff. And you've got Vince versus Shane at WrestleMania itself, and you've got this whole story playing into it. What would they have done if that had happened at a different time of year? Would they still have gone with Shane? It's, we'll never know. But they did go with it, and it is iconic. Um, I, I think, it, you know, to me, it's a no-brainer to be spoken about just because of the sheer magnitude of it. We can come later on when we're getting down to the nuance, the nitty-gritty, about whether or not they did enough great stuff for it to make our list. But I think it has to certainly go on what we often call the medium list, going from the long one to the next one before we uh, get down to the short list. So I'll pencil that one in already, but I'll walk forward six days because I love Vince versus Shane at WrestleMania 17. Oh. I think of the nature of those sort of matches. I don't. You said earlier on about the kind of thing that sometimes you you don't mind seeing once every couple of years or whatever. You can tolerate it. This is the kind of match that I don't want to see on a regular basis. You know, Shane is a relatively accomplished athlete, um, but these two are not wrestlers. They don't put on great wrestling matches. They put on stunt shows. But when you've got all the players, I mean, this is the. I say players in a, in a in a you know in a play. Uh, situation. I mean, like a repertory company of players rather than football players, for example. When you have everyone in position here, including Vince, Shane, Linda, Steph, Trish, Mick, yeah, everyone plays their role in this. And it is not a great wrestling match by any stretch, but it is a great, great story. Yeah, it, it really is. It's it's a drama. It's a it's a drama more than a match. It was. Um, and again, as with more or less everything we come to on this list, 
will find that the very best moments of that Mr. McMahon character when he got his comeuppance. Yeah. And this is another one of those. And obviously, he'd spent months humiliating his wife, humiliating Trish Stratus. Did not like at all a lot of the things that he was doing to Trish before, you know. In but in hindsight, that was what a bad guy does. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, I'm not saying it offends me, and it shouldn't have been on the air. That's that's not true at all. It certainly didn't offend me back then. It doesn't offend me now because ultimately, the character got what was coming to him. And in in any fiction. Be you know, if you're watching Luther or you're watching Sherlock or you're watching The Avengers or you're watching WWE, in my opinion, a bad guy, a heel, a villain can do whatever he or she wants. And as long as that villain gets their comeuppance at the end of the piece, whether at the end of the episode or the end of the series or the end of the whole thing, you know, the whole um, show then it's fine. I'm not, I'm not even sure I go as far, I agree with almost everything you said. I don't sure, I mean, I'm not sure I would even go as far as to say they have to get their comeuppance. I have, to, I think it has to be portrayed as being evil. Or it has to be portrayed as being wrong. And I think that's sometimes the issue where, like, for, I'll give a for example. I didn't, I very, very much didn't like, and I spoke out about it at the time, when Vicky Guerrero, was the uh, SmackDown general manager, and every week Jerry Lawler would do Vicky is fat jokes. Yeah, and I despised that because Lawler was being portrayed as a babyface commentator at yeah. the time, exactly. making jokes at the expense of a heel. I have no problem with heels having jokes made at their expense, but the babyface was doing ha 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 their fat jokes, and that to me portrays that it's okay to do that, and I don't believe it is. Into, listen, I'm a fat bloke and I can take a little bit of ribbing from my mates, but that doesn't mean you can portray on a national television show, kids, it's all right to make fun of the fat guy. Um, that's different, you know. Um, but I often do get annoyed where people will get really, really angry and go about, oh, that was appalling, you know, racially motivated language or appalling violence or appalling sexism by that character. And I'm like, well, they're a heel. Like yeah. They're allowed to do that. That's part of the world. And it's like, why do you get more angry about that kind of language? Because you, you're suggesting it's bullying. You're like, people got angry about the whole Piggy James thing, right? And it's like, to me, good heel work. Good heel yeah. work from Cool. And Mickey beat the shit out of them. She, they, they got their comeuppance. And the world can look at Mickey James and go, clearly she's not fat. Clearly those heels are being idiots. And then Mickey put them put them in their place. I had no issue with that. Now, if there was anything going on behind the scenes that made that more of a personal thing, that is different. I don't know that it did or it didn't. But to me, he was making fun of someone, babyface getting you know giving them their comeuppance. It's absolutely fine. But people get really angry about stuff like that, which they you know is weird. But they don't get angry at, for example, you just mentioned Luther about a bad guy in Luther killing someone. <laughs> because because it's a murder mystery, people go, oh, that's fine. Someone's going to kill someone. And it's like, well, why are you getting why are you getting angry at a heel in another world then? You know, as long as the the, the format works, then to me, it's uh, that's perfectly well, okay. We, we've drifted a wee bit, but I, I think it's an important thing to bring up. Yeah, I do. And, and I think people, again, just to put a cap on this, I think people, it's easy to sort of make that mistake and get caught in that trap as a wrestling fan because the characters are portrayed as more real. They kind of live in the real world, ostensibly. Um, as opposed to the characters in Luther that live in a fictional, completely fictional world, where really 
everything that goes on inside that WWE arena is as fictional as what goes on in Luther, just because the people in the crowds and the normal times are real people. And just because it's happening in real time, it's still as much of a fiction as, as anything else you see on TV. Um, obviously, the, the lines are blurred because those characters are, you know, referred to by their ring names, their character names, you know, in and out of the ring. You don't see an interview with, to pick one, AJ Styles. Um, well, you do now. That's a really bad example, isn't it, when he's all over Twitch? But, but but generally speaking, in years gone by, you didn't see that. You only saw the, the character as portrayed on screen. So it was very easy to fall into the trap of thinking that's who they were. And that's, that's you know, that's the viewer's fault. That's not the but, that's, that's not their fault. But, you know, was wrestling doing this before the entertainment world caught on? You know, for years and years, like, for example, okay, his name is not exactly Ric Flair, but it's a very close variation upon it. And we've met the man himself. Right? Ric Flair was playing Ric Flair, you know, the real person and the fictional character in the 70s and onwards. Well, actually, if you go to more modern television, you do have examples of things like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld playing Jerry Seinfeld, Larry no, David playing Larry David, even like Rob Brydon playing Rob Brydon on Annually Retentive, which has I been mean, a bit of an obscure, you know, reference. But you will see people, you know, shows where there is a real person playing a version of themselves. All the people Steve that were, on, all the people that were um, guest stars on Extras, you know, playing yeah. versions of themselves, really? whether it's Ross Kemp or Samuel L. Jackson or Kate Winslet or whomever. You know, people do play real versions of themselves now. You know, do people meet Larry David and go, is that what he's like? Is, is he like the character in, in Curb? There's they a, do. I'm sure they do. But there will also be people that think Richard Wilson is like Victor Meldrew, even though that is a very distinct character. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting world to, uh, to look at, which uh, I think but, we'll have to do another the, time. But the, well, the point of the matter is that McMahon can get away with that abhorrent behaviour that he displayed yeah. in that feud because he is Mr. McMahon rather than Vince McMahon. Um, and he absolutely gets what's coming to him at the end in every conceivable way. You come out at the end of that feud at WrestleMania, the, the good guys are standing, well, everybody essentially is standing tall other than McMahon. I saw so a brilliant way. thing earlier on. I was doing some research for this, and I found a site which was a bit of a, a wiki site. When I say a wiki site, I don't mean like Wikipedia, but I mean one that, you know, wiki in the sense of being built by the users. Yeah. And people obviously put their own entries onto things. And some of it was really useful, and it was talking about Vince having done this, and it's a you know it's a factor of you know TV that he does this blah blah blah. But it had obviously been done by individuals with certain agendas because every now and again it would say, well, Vin, one of Vince's failings is trusting Paul Levesque, who's only in it for himself, and rah, getting all angry about people that actually think they know the people behind this. But one of the excellent comments which made me howl with laughter about how you, someone was laying bare their own um, prejudices, if you want was to say, and basically they were talking about reasons that Vince is a heel in real life. You know, and it, it was things like, you know, he won't let them have a union or he wasn't nice about this or he's, you know, he's a Republican that thinks this. And that's people's own opinions. But at one point it said, Vince is obviously not a nice person because he believes in the stop piracy law. And he, he wants to stop piracy. And it's like, oh, what a bad guy. It's like, well, that's the law, isn't it? That's a man up on, but it was basically so, someone that's obviously had their own YouTube channel full of WWE clips shut down, angry that Vince won't let them do their own, try and re get revenue off of someone else's back. And it was like, wow. yeah, this this bloke, right? He got really angry when I had a pet lion and it ate his son, and he got really angry with me. And it's like, well, he fucking would, wouldn't he? Do you know what I mean? And it's like, 
it's I, I, yeah. I deliberately went with a stupid example, but I love people that think that piracy is okay. It's not folks yeah. thieving. Yeah, I've got no sympathy for that. I uh, I fully I don't endorse Vince McMahon's personal views on a lot of things, but I'm sure if he disagrees with piracy, then he and I are in complete agreement on that one. We're talking piracy as in uh, stealing intellectual <laughs> property and not Jean Pierre Lafitte and Paul Birch. And indeed, uh, Kyrie Sane. Um, right, let's, let's stay with Manias. We just did Vince versus Shane. Let's stay with Manias. I want to talk about Vince versus Hogan. Not necessarily for the match, which is an interesting match, but one particular moment in that match. Yes, so why? This is absolutely on my list. The rise up from the ring. But is that one of the, not one of the most iconic, if you, if you said, show me in 10 seconds what Vince's character is about, and you saw this bloodied 60-year-old man emerging, you know, like a horror movie character, and like a panto villain, all at the same time, to me, just a, a mind-blowing, when we're talking moments, and that is almost the definition of it, I, I can, I will never get over that. I remember seeing that for the first time and sort of laughing and cheering and doing every emotion all at the same time. One of the absolute best single visual, visuals in the history of wrestling. You know, if you, if, if and I, they may well have done this, but if, if they haven't and they were to produce a, pictorial book of wwe history like a coffee table book of glossy photos that Pitch. photo is absolutely in there um it is just stunningly good um and i really really enjoyed that match i thought it was an absolutely fantastic match for what it was full credit to both guys um and that moment was the absolute cap of that of the whole thing it just i'm i'm i've got that I've got that very visual, very close to the top of my list, mate. So I'm pleased you mentioned it. Um, I, I get a lot of Vince's matches a little bit conflated in my head because they're very similar, you know, whether it's his matches with Flair or Sean or Hogan or whatever. Is this the one where Piper interferes? It is. Yeah, it I is. thought it was. I, I think it's his best match. In actual you think fact. it's Vince's best match? Yeah, I think, you know, the work is what the work is. Um, it's two guys who are, what, 50-odd and 60-odd, respectively, probably at the time. I don't really know. Um, but they work so well. The characters work so well with each other. They, The drama's there. It's just great. It just re- and it, you know, Hogan-McMahon at WrestleMania, it's got everything it needs, and it gets bloody, it gets violent. You've got Roddy Piper making that big return. You've got that visual. I, just thought it was, I think it's, to me, in ring, it's McMahon's peak. So I'd like to, I definitely will be pushing to put that in there. Either the visual or the whole match. I don't really care, um, but it has to be represented for me. Do you know what? We've gone a bit early with this one this week because I think we've probably covered all the ones that I would be pushing hardest for. I've got another four or five on my list to, that I think are worth chatting about. And you might be big on one of those and can talk me into it because all of the ones I'm about to say I like, and I could be talked into doing more on. Um, but I feel like I've. Re- oh no, I haven't. I've got one. I've got one. Sorry, I've one left that I need to. Uh, I need to push on. Go on. Because I was thinking we'd finished our little section of mania matches, and we haven't. The battle of the billionaires. <laughs> um, the match, obviously not the build-up. Not not, the match. 
I, I'm not going to lie. The whole thing is soured to me completely by the presence of Donald Trump. Can't can't get away from that. Not a fan. Um, if anything, uh, I think it makes it more more iconic to me the fact that he's become president. I'm not I'm not endorsing or slagging him. I'm staying completely apolitical. More iconic. Um, uh, whereas I, I'm I'm really not. And the the idea of a match and an angle where Donald Trump is somehow the babyface is abhorrent to me. It is to you, but there's, there's, a, you know, there's hundreds of millions of people in America that disagree with that. So I, I think you have to take out the your own personal feelings about someone and just look at the, well, that's the, what the, I'm high, saying. the iconic status of it. That's what I'm saying. It is To me, per, as I say personally, it's not something that I'd ever want to go back and watch again just because how could I possibly get into that um, face heel thing. But take that out of the equation. And Vince McMahon, and again, we come back to this time and time again, the moment where he gets what's coming to him is phenomenal. And he commits to it so properly in, in terms of his actions and reactions, but also the fact that he properly got his head shaved. You know, mm-hmm. not, many, not many people do that, do they, in these hair versus hair matches. But he had it all off and sold it massively um so yeah i wouldn't i'm not let's let's stick it on the list but it's it it's just another example of vince going all in for the right performance yeah that is exactly how i would say is um i have a feeling that i would have this on my top 10 but not my top five yeah um but i because of yeah other factors such as even if you forget the trump factor it's not a great match. It's not, no, no one ever goes, oh, remember that match between Bobby Lashley and Umaga? Exactly. Like, that's really not the thing. But if you just take that moment in time of who Trump was, again, forget his policies, forget his opinions, but just the fact that he was a huge star, a, a huge celebrity for various reasons, that was willing to be involved to that level, he actually clotheslined Vince and it wasn't terrible. Like, you know what I mean? It's like he took an appalling stunner, but it's not he's not a terrible clothesline when he tackles Vince on the outside and was willing to get involved on that sort of level. Plus, the most important thing, again, Vince making a fool of himself, showing ass, as they say in wrestling, on the biggest stage possible. I, I just think it's such a fun. You're right. There's no way you can talk about the whole thing without, you know, referring to who it is and what that person has become. And, you know, day by day, there is various stories that, uh, will be told for do you not think every now and again i'm going to desperately try not to compare into any one one individual but i'm going to have to but throughout history you know certain names in history whether you like them or not but you think about like a whether it's napoleon or cromwell or whoever it might be that there's these names that are talked about hundreds of years on william the conqueror you know whomever christopher columbus whatever it is a name that gets talked about you realize that in 500 years time people are going to be doing projects about donald trump and it's going to be an a-level or equivalent um you know study topic on this one man's life it's just he's going to be he is one of he's probably the most iconic person that will ever live in your or my lifetime and how depressing is that well and it's a fact and it's like, it's just the way that, that you know it, rarely are there people because you know if we want to go down a real wormhole, we can have a discussion about Churchill and how that's been turned this year. But yeah. you know, there's, there's always a good and bad about everything, and people's opinions change. But in terms of iconic status, you know, I'm just saying. Anyway, no, no, uh, I agree. We'll put that to one side. I'll put. A, or I, I tend to put a little bracket around the ones that are going through. So I am going to bracket that, but I uh, 
do feel that we'll find five ahead of it. Uh, over to you. Let's, let's have one from the, uh, the Benson side. Okay, let me just... I don't think I've got a lot left on my list, so let me just pull this down here. Da, 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 da. Ah, here's one. Here's the one. first ever Kiss My Ass Club. Yeah, okay, I've got that written down. Yep. Um, very, very different to what we talked about. It's the opposite where... It's not the Vince McMahon character um, getting getting his comeuppance. It's the opposite. It's him using his power and his influence to humiliate a guy that needs his job. And it's his filthy heel behavior. But anyway, you know, there was so much talk of how dare he get his ass out on TV and this is arrogance gone wild and he's just trying to show how powerful he is off screen on and a lot of that might be true. But if you just take a, take a look at what is on the screen... And it's fantastic heel work. Again, he's he it's it's one bad guy showing another bad guy that he is not as bad as or the the other guy is not as bad as he is, and feeding his ego to ultimately um, to ultimately get his comeuppance. It was um, it was a moment for me. I thought it worked really well. Actually, I remember being in the minority then, and I'm probably in the minority now. But I thought the first Kiss My Ass Club was very effective. Yeah, I mean, I I, I totally agree. I'm just trying to get the um, the timeline of it. So is it was right after the invasion, it was William Regal begging for his job back. So you so Vince is Vince is a babyface here. Uh, no, he turned heel again the night after the invasion, didn't he? Literally right. the night after you got so you got Kurt Angle who swapped from the Alliance to the WF at Survivor Series. He was the mole, effectively, wasn't he? Um, so, essentially, he turned face at Survivor Series. But then on the Raw the next night, Vince himself turned back heel. So, therefore, by association, Kurt Angle did. And Steve Austin went back babyface. Um, so, Vince McMahon went heel the night after Survivor Series. Okay. I've got I've got here the date of the, the Kiss My Ass Club angle with regal was november the 19th 2001 yeah. so it may it may have been right. the same night i think it was probably the smackdown afterwards wasn't it so um if i have a look at the it was on uh, raw regal the regal thing was on was on raw was it really okay yeah um so yeah it was it was the very next night so there you go that's him establishing himself that he's a heel again and it's a reason to keep um, William Regal back uh, on screen after he should have been fired as the Alliance Commissioner and establish him as a snivelly little bottom feeder. Uh, that pun not intended, actually, in that one. Uh, <laughs> but it works quite well. And, um, yeah, I think it accomplished exactly what it was supposed to do and it revolted the audience and it got McMahon over as a bad guy again and, Job done massively effectively, and we are back to the races with horrid Vince McMahon after a period of him being the benevolent head of the WWE. So while we're on it, um, anyone else for the uh, for the Kiss My Ass Club uh, uh, segment that could be talked about? Who's who's in it? HBK, Mick Foley, Shane, JR. JR would be the only one I would say was effective but again that wasn't a Vince moment really that was an Undertaker moment um that was Undertaker turning heel very close after that actually wasn't it it was you know I've been kissing his ass since the day I got here 
are you saying you're better than me? Bosh, that was big evil coming to coming out. Um, and again, Vince McMahon was a big part of that, but not the focus. So I would I would I would narrow it down to the Regal incident. What about the opposite? What about Vince uh, thinking? He's going to be the first entrant in the Trish Stratus. Yes, my ass as well. And then The Rock brings out Rikishi, etc., etc. What about that one? Nah, throwaway comedy. Funny, but not even close to our list. Nah, true. I just happened to be, I was just finding all the list of all the Kiss My Ass Club segments. And turns out this was only two weeks after the, the Regal angle. So it was actually oh, very okay. close to it. But, uh, I no, I agree. I agree. But I just, I happened to see it while I was looking through the, uh, the things on my screen there. Uh, right. Um, are, are you proposing this goes through? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm with it enough for it to be on the on the five. But it's a. Uh, I, I do think it's a, a very telling, Vince McMahon moment. But I feel in using some of your terminology, that for example, if him turning heel at WrestleMania 17 is an Austin moment, or Vince didn't turn heel, but Austin turning heel is an Austin moment. I almost feel that this is a regal moment. Yeah, I feel like Regal steals the show really with his mannerisms and you know everything he did in that one. It feels more like a Regal moment featuring us, uh, featuring Vince than a Vince moment featuring Regal. No, I don't. I, not in my opinion. I think it's it's more important for Vince's character than it is for Regal's. And I think you know you go back and look at you know, Regal's expressions were amazing as they always are. One of the greatest comic comedians in wrestling history. Um, but Vince's were just as good on that night in a different role. So very much two equals. I'd like to bring up uh, one that I don't think would feature on almost anybody's lists other than mine. So I'm not really hopeful that it would will get through, right? But I want to bring it up because there's an interesting narrative surrounding the build-up to WrestleMania 26, uh, and specifically the angle between Vince McMahon and Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got to WrestleMania and we finally saw the match that involved 47 members of the Hart family, 17 twists and turns and swerves, a 79-minute match, or I, think, I don't know, I think it was about 20, but it felt like forever. It was really badly executed. It was a terrible match. It was a bit embarrassing for Bret. It didn't work on any level, in my opinion. I speak as one of the you know the biggest... Um, Bret Hart fans in Western Europe, but I thought that was terrible. However, I thought the build was great for many reasons uh, for that for that pay per view and indeed for that match. And one of there is an absolutely fabulous moment. I think Steve Austin. I think we're in guest host era time. I'm not sure about that, um, but certainly Austin was very prevalent on the show. And they did a contract signing. Do you remember? Do you know where I'm going with this? They did a contract yeah, yeah. signing between Bret and Vince. And in the run-up to that, a few weeks earlier, Brett had been run over and broke yeah. his leg. Or was it, I think it was his leg, wasn't he? Run over and broke his leg. And that meant Vince was keen to actually sign the contract because he thought that Brett had his leg broken. I think it and was his arm. Was it his arm? Whatever it was. It was certainly had something broken and there was a cast. Yeah. Um, and Austin is talking about something and he walks up the ramp. And I remember he gets to the top of the ramp and he goes, one more thing, I'll let Brett tell you. And then we cut... And the screen is just Vince on one side, Brett on the other, a table in between, a cast on the table, and Brett grinning. Yeah. And I just think it's one of the most fabulous little, not iconic, but little subtle pieces of storytelling that they didn't go, 
oh my god, Brett's not really hurt. Vince didn't realize they didn't need to do all that. They just, with the look and just the way they told it, you saw everything went, oh, he wasn't hurt. Yeah. I, I even remember early on in that promo, there's a moment where Brett's wearing some sunglasses, not the traditional wraparound ones, but some, <clears throat> some oh, I've got some. I didn't mean to. I didn't realize that, but I've got some. Some of those sort of aviator um, glasses. Yeah. Um, and the camera shot is on Brett's glasses, but you can see Vince doing his promo. This is a brilliantly shot, brilliantly put together segment. And the ending of it of like, oh, my God, Brett's done him. He's made him sign this contract. It's the height of that feud. It, the payoff is poor. But to yeah. me, the payoff is that actual moment. Like they could have ended it there and not had the match. Do you, do you know what I mean? I just, I, I don't think you're going to push this onto the five. And I think deep down, I probably wouldn't either. But I wanted to mention it because it's never talked about. And it's such a great moment. It was very cool. And you're right. It, it won't make the five. But um, that was the best built WrestleMania of all time, in my opinion. Great build. Far, 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 far from the best WrestleMania. So therefore, by definition, the most disappointing WrestleMania of all time. Um, but incredibly well built. You know, people forget that the build-up to WrestleMania 17 was garbage. It was rushed. It was or it was swapped and changed. Mate, honestly, if you look back, there was three I or four. Garbage, but I, I agree it's not standout, but I don't think three, it's garbage. Three or four of the big matches got booked in the last week. Um, uh, Rock against Austin was only built for three weeks and somehow managed to change directly from being all about Deborah to being a straight-up competition within three weeks. It was it was just throw, and then you had the WCW stuff thrown in, as you mentioned earlier. It was unbelievably thrown together that event, but came out to be what many people think is the best WrestleMania ever. I think it's nineteen, but it's beside the point. Um, there was the build. The build to WrestleMania seventeen was dreadful. The build to WrestleMania twenty six was godly. It was it was superb. But WrestleMania 17 is far, far, far and away the better event because um, it paid things off the right way, whereas 26 just missed the mark on in, in almost every way. Um, but, yeah, like that's the long-winded way of saying love the moment, you're dead right, brilliant for bringing it up. And if people can't remember it, they should go back and catch it now on the network. But it's not making the five. No, I would tend to agree. And I, and I, I, but I just wanted to, I wanted to bring it up. It might be a bit of a wise guy moment on my part, but it's more – I just wanted to have a few things that we talk about tonight that are not on the list every time anyone always talks about this. Do you know what I mean? In, in the same way that we've almost yeah. off two or three that would always make it into a, a Vince and Steve list or a Vince list in general. Um, and I think the only way you, only reason you think about them is because you're told to think about them over and over and over and over and over again. And this never comes up on anything. I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about this. Um, and so I, I wanted to bring it up for that reason. I'll stay with Brett though. Because there is another moment, um, which is, uh, I'll call it the hockey fight. When Brett comes out on Raw and threatens Vince, uh, in, when you know when Vince pulls the, the shirt over his head and they have that little wrestle, little tussle. Yes, um, yeah. You know, late in nineteen ninety-seven. I think that's another important. Again, I don't think it's an all-time top five moment, but I think that's a really important moment on the graph. Now that's the first time you really because Vince does a proper eye thing on that one. Well, you know, when Brett sort of slaps the um, headset off his head and Vince really looks and Vince wants to fight him. And it's like, that's the first time you've ever seen placid, what a maneuver, Vince, like want to fight someone. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. another plot on the graph before you get to the, you ruined it, damn it, 
Um, so I wanted to bring that up as well. But again, I'm, I'm certainly not pushing pushing for it. Speaking of commentary, there's the last one I want to bring up that is my wise guy moment, I suppose. Um, but it won't make the list. I think it's from... Oh, God, I'm going to embarrass myself now. It's from somewhere between 2007 and 2009, anyway. It's okay. the um, the old school Raw, where Vince McMahon He comes out in the old gear. He does the old stick. He does, like, the storyline is that he's been doing, he's doing it begrudgingly. But it's so much fun to see old school Vince McMahon in, in modern day WWE. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. Um so yeah, it's not on the list, but I just wanted to peg it there. No, fair, fair point. Actually, I completely forgot about that, and I, have, I never thought to bring that up. But yeah, that is a that is a that's a fun moment actually. It's a great um, one. I suppose um, I only have I, I've written this line, and again, I'm by no means pushing it for the five. But I thought I might mention it. You know, it might kill twi- you know seventeen seconds on the show. <laughs> is um, I was amused when uh, when Vince got Rick rolled. Oh, during McMahon's million dollar yeah. mania. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant moment. Humiliate. When you start to go into this stuff with Vince and, he, you know, stuff that we're not even going to push for necessarily, but the amount of the contrasting things, the amount of diverse things that he's been involved with. Now, after that um, battle of the billionaires thing to be the whole ECW thing he did, you know, being the champ there and whatever bizarre, what about yeah. um, the whole, you know, the, the long, long stuff of DX humiliating the Mamans and the matches that that led to in the cell and all that kind of thing? Um, you know, even something like, uh, oh, it went out of my brain. Then what was I going to say? Even, um, oh, no, you have to go now because I completely forgot what I was about to say. Oh, well, that's, that's unusual. Uh, Rob McNichol in uh, words going out of his brain. So, I, I know, okay, well, if I, you know, the other one I wanted to flag very quickly was. Um, Kevin Owens. Oh, right. Okay. Do you remember that? Again, it's not going to make the list, but it's on, it'd be on my periphery. When Kevin Owens came out and, and headbutted Vince, Vince McMahon essentially allowed himself to be broken, busted open the hard way on SmackDown to get Kevin Owens over as a heel. And it came out of absolutely nowhere. And it just showed to me, all it did is demonstrate the commitment that he has occasionally to these characters still now where he can use the cachet that he's still got to to parlay that into a character getting over it. Because he really did give a sh- massive shot in the arms to Owens uh, at the time. Kevin Owens. Uh, Kevin Owens. I can't get, out my, can't get my words out. Um, but I just think it showed you that, you know, at, at the age of 70 plus, he was still willing to do crazy shit like that is uh, is testament to, to how mad the guy is, frankly. And it was didn't AJ slap him as well? That wasn't too too long after. Yeah, that was yeah. And then there's the footage being released recently of him doing the balcony dive at WrestleMania this year <laughs> to demonstrate to Rob, Rob Gronkowski. Um, nowhere near as dramatic as it sounds when you describe it when you actually see the footage, but still a, a bloody impressive considering the guy's age. Um, he's a breed apart, that man, isn't he? Yes, he really is. And I wish I could remember what I was about to say. I'm sure I was about to say something devastatingly interesting and, uh, and urbane about, and as, a, as an observation about Vince and his career. But it was mainly just to say that, you know, the diversity of things that he's been involved. Oh, I know what it was. I've got what it was. I, we didn't talk about when Vince wrestled God. No, we didn't. And shall we not? No, let's not do that <laughs> at all. But 
Because I'm not saying everything he did has been gold, by the way. We're talking about the good bits. Not everything has been on that level. But just the sheer uh, volume of, of things that he has been involved with and little moments. Um, we could even talk about, because it's not a him thing. In fact, I think he was slightly embarrassed by it. But what was the night after WrestleMania that time where he came out and the fans just sang his music? And he was just con- oh. completely confused by the fact that they were all singing his theme tune. I don't remember that, actually. Do you know what? It was a night after Mania. And they no, sung his theme music no. as he came to the ring, and he tried to do his promo, and they just all kept on, you know, singing "No Chance in Hell," and he didn't know how to react. <laughs> Sounds fantastic, but I know it's I don't. One of those. Do you know in that, in that there was that time, wasn't there, sort of like six, seven, eight, nine years ago, where the night the after beach, Mania be- became this big thing, fandangoing and and yeah, all that sort of yeah. stuff, and, it beca- and then it, then it sort of et itself and became a bit stupid and self-parodic. But for a few, a little while, the night after Mania was the thing, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was the night that WWE lost leave of its senses, really. Um, should we get a five then? I think we're. I think we're there. I think we've. I think I've we've got, got one more to bring up. Oh, sorry. And go it on. won't. And it won't go into the five um, for various obvious reasons. But I think it's the one that had the most potential to go into the five that I would have loved to have seen where they went with it, and because of other circumstances, they had to call it. But I've always thought that Vince McMahon being blown up in his limousine had the potential to be huge. And the reason I say that is because at the time, I was quite early in my career in terms of writing about wrestling. And I had had a few things published on reasonably big sites and and whatever. But this is pre-Twitter, I think, and um, pre-things like that. But I had a blog. And I would write a blog with my thoughts two or three times a week about Raw and SmackDown and various other things and news stories and stuff. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think I would write a blog and let's say maybe 100, maybe 200 people would read it at, at the absolute outside, probably more likely 70 or 80. But I remember writing something about that Vince Limo thing and it got something like four and a half thousand views in the first 24 hours. Wow. And for me, I mean, that, that's not a lot, but in, in, in terms of the, at the, that, that time, it was so many and I had no real cachet and whatever it was, but it meant people might have to have been Googling Vince McMahon limo, Vince McMahon. And I'd obviously done a reasonable job of my meta tagging, but I just remember, you know, if there was a graph of that blog that I kept for a few years, you know, it would have, it would have had its little deviations, but then it would have had a massive spike for the whole Vince Limo stuff. People were so interested in that. That was a real online buzz thing. Now, there's lots of things that create a buzz and they die away almost immediately. But we will never know where that was going to go because about a week later, the whole Benoit thing happened. And quite rightly, you know, the WWE put a, put a halt on it. There's a fair chance it might have, you know, meandered and been like the Hornswoggles you know, story, which ended up being, you know, terrible about him being his... Uh, illegitimate son it might have ended up being something rubbish like that but it also might have been something really really fun and interesting we'll, we will never know but i think it's not going to go on to the five for you know for certain but i think it is it is the one that got away in some ways it, it could be it was a massive talking point wasn't it huge um I, I wouldn't consider it not because of where it didn't go but because it was just um it, it didn't really it wasn't a mcmahon moment it didn't sh- it was it was something that happened to the character. I don't think he excelled particularly in that. You know, he had the whole stomping out to the limo and things like that, but it, it's not something that he wasn't doing every single week anyway. So 
I thought it was a great shocking moment, but it's not his finest hour. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. But I, I, it was the final one that I wanted to mention because I think it was there. Uh, it had the potential. It's a little bit like your your record signing, you know, breaking his ankle the week after, there and then never go. really getting fit again. So you'll never know if he was going to be the greatest goal scorer in your club's history or D- just Dean another Ashton name. Dean Ashton for England. Dean Ashton for England. That's an interesting, uh, interesting name to bring up, and I'll tell you why uh, off air. Uh, but uh, okay, okay, are we ready to come? Ready to come down to our five? I think so, and I think I reckon I've got ten on my list: five Austin McMahon moments and five other moments. Okay, well, I, oh, I don't I'm think no, we need no, to sorry, four, four other moments. My apologies. I don't think we need to discriminate. I don't think there's necessarily a um, a limit on the amount of Austin moments. No, no, I agree. I agree. However, I would say that. Um, it, they are easier to compare. Do you know what I mean? They're more apples to apples, and you can say, I prefer this Austin McMahon moment to this Austin McMahon moment. So um, there might well be a way in that way. But let's get let's get rid of one, because sometimes it's easier to, to move them out, because I think of all the ones that I have here on my list, which I, I've got nine here that I've put through to the next stage, as it were. I think the one that you are least keen on is the Battle of the Billionaires. Yes, we can get rid of that. And I'm not motivated enough to try and talk you out of that. I think I would certainly have it in my top six or seven. Whether I get it in my five, I don't know. So, But I'm happy because I was so down on the the Bang 316 one and got my way there. I'm more than happy to, uh, to remove. Uh, the is there a couple the, that we can agree on? I think the other obvious one to get rid of would be the um, Armageddon 99, Steph, Triple H, Austin. Sorry, Steph, Triple H, Vince. I don't think that stacks up to the rest. Oh, I don't know, you know. I see, I would be, I'd be fairly well, keen on that. Let's see where we go with the rest. Let's see what let's see what we agree on then, shall we? So, are we agreeing on the easy way or the hard way? Yeah, I think we have to because it's just it's just so iconic, and they just do such a good job of telling episode one, you know, of that whole cha- chapter one anyway of the whole Austin McMahon thing. Um, and Vince, because Vince is not totally Mr. McMahon at this point. He's still relatively reasonable. Yeah. Calling him Mr. Austin and all this. Sort of stuff. You know, he's, but it's so well done and it's so well produced. And it's the, it's kind of the reason it's the, you know, if Vince needs a reason to hate Austin, you know, earlier on, we talked about the Tyson thing. Well, this is the one that pushes him over the edge really. And I think it's so important to what Vince McMahon became or what Mr. McMahon became. Yeah. I think we have to. Agreed. Are we including paging Dr. Austin? Yes. Yes, we are. Yes. And I, and I don't know how we would actually write that in, t- in shorthand because I want to specifically say everyone else would say bedpan McMahon. I really want to factor in Mr. Mr. Socko and Yerpel and, and the whole Vince being a grouchy well, patient. That went on all night. And to me, that's one angle. I'm a, I think an angle that goes all night is allowed in this conversation. So it's the whole Mr. McMahon is the grumpy patient, essentially. Leave that one to me. I will figure out the shorthand on that one. Are we including buying WCW? <sighs> right. This is the most difficult one because I sort of want to include both that and Vince versus Shane at Mania. I know what you mean. It's hard to include. At the same time, they sort of feel like the same thing. 
because the reason the buying WCW, like I say, it would have been iconic if Vincent had walked out and gone, "Hi everyone, uh, just to let you know, I've bought WCW. Uh, fuck Ted Turner. Good night, Vienna." <laughs> Uh, you know, it had walked off. Like anything Vincent said that night would have been iconic, as we talked as we talked about. It was a great angle. It was great fun. But to me, it played into WrestleMania. I don't think. I think if it had been a month later, a year later, another time, they wouldn't have done the same thing. You no, know, like okay. if if Stone Cold, if Stone Cold Steve Austin had come along in 1994 or in 2002, I could have seen them doing the same angle as they did in 1998. It was two people. The angle they moved it, you know, forward. It wouldn't have right. been exactly that. But you take my point. It was an angle that they came up with. It was the right moment in time, and they went with it. I just think if WCW had been bought a year later, they wouldn't have done the same angle. They would have done something different. And I think it's the icon, the icon of Vince talking to the crowd and going through who he's going to fire and hire is more iconic and is more interesting. And I yeah. sort of feel that that's not the character. I feel that that's the real person and I'm less inclined to include it because it almost feels like a press conference with the real man that happens to fit in the middle of a show. And then, Oh, by the way, we'll go back to the Vince and Shane angle. So if we call it two parts of the same angle, I think the match at mania is better because it's the payoff and because it's a, a spectacle in front of a large amount of people and it's at a great show and it's got so many great moments, the roar in that crowd when Linda stands up. No, oh, insane. Insane. Oh. Trish turns, Mick does his bit, Steph has her moment, but Vince is the pivot for all of it. I, I, I like that better. I, th- I think I would have, I would push for the for that more than I would for the WCW thing. Well, let's eliminate the WCW thing. I think you make a great case. Let's not push, let's not completely rubber stamp the Vince versus Shane one yet, but let's eliminate the buying WCW. Um, okay. Hogan match at WrestleMania 19. Yeah, I think yeah because I'm not sure. I don't remember the match as well as you do. I'm specifically talking about the evil Vince face. Watch the match. Watch the match this week. But no, I'm actually not in, I'm not in internal turmoil about what you're saying. I'm in internal turmoil about what I want to say because I want to put in the one arm behind the back. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, no, not that. I want to put in the gauntlet. Not yeah, the gauntlet thing. And I know I can't because the gauntlet's not good enough. And the visual is only that bit at the end. It's only the the face-off at the end. And I can't really justify putting that in because it really is only a few seconds. I yeah. sort of think that about the face, the bloody face up from the ring. But you're quite keen on the match itself as well. So I'm willing to go with you. I could not convince you that the gauntlet is great because it's not. No. Um, but you can try and convince me that the Vince Hogan match is great. I can't really remember it. I can only really remember the Piper thing. But I'm happy to go with you because I do love the the Vince emerging from the ring so much. Well, let's go with that. That's that means we've got three definitives, um, which leaves us two spots. William Regal's kiss my ass segment. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's quite good enough. It's not quite very, good enough. It's, it's interesting. Good. Not quite enough. If we're very doing good. raw raw angles that show Pete's Vince, the one arm behind the back is better. The one arm behind the back okay. angle is just, it's such a good angle. It's such a, such a good wrestling angle. 
and Vince is the center point of it. And he's brilliantly horrible when he gets on the mic and forces Austin to have his hand behind his back. But everyone plays their part. It's a good team. It's, this is not Vince McMahon lashing in a shot from 30 yards into the top corner. This is 17 passes and Vince taps the ball. <laughs> it's a lovely team goal. But he's still the goal scorer. He's still the one that plays a part in the whole thing. But I like that it's memorable. I like that it's interesting. I like that the crowd buy absolutely everything. But I like the fact that it moves it on. I like the fact that we then we transition to Austin versus Dude Love. We change Dude Love's character. We change the dynamic between Mick Foley and Vince McMahon. We develop the Stooges a wee bit more this night. And we're still 10 months away from the pair of them really getting it on. Because this is the first time we've... And all night. Again, this is another all nighter. This is the whole roar really going in. Um, to the list as well as the, you know, not just the last 10 minutes oh, definitely. because this is amazing television and this is the kind of thing that we bemoan that we don't get anymore we get great matches but do we get edge of our seat raw moments anymore and this is your absolute epitome of episodic television over a two-hour period to try and get you to tune into the main event from the first segment and i think you have to sometimes doff your cap to the brilliance of that kind of thing. Whereas someone would go, oh, brilliant. He sprayed them with beer. Oh, brilliant. He clotheslined them off a Zamboni. Fine. But this is a beautifully crafted angle that lasts all night and is satisfactory and makes you want to come back the week after. And that really is what the whole show is about. Well, I'm sold. Um, I agree. I think it's a wicked, wicked night. And it is, like you say, it's not a single moment in time, but it's a story that, it's a whole episode, essentially. There's other filler parts to the episode, but that is the story of the episode. Um, and one of the best roars of all time. And it's all built around. It's such stuff. a great show. So that's in. We've got one more slot, mate. And do you know what? I'm going to do something unusual now. I'm going to let you pick the last one. Well, I, I, think, I, think, I think we have I'm, our five, because I have got six left on my screen as I've been eliminating things. Um, so are we, we're saying that what, – what have you got that's officially through? I've got the one we just talked about, the yeah. easy way or the hard way, the hospital, and Hulk Hogan. Okay. Uh, therefore, I think Vince versus Shane is better than Vince winning the Rumble. I assume that's the other one you've got on your list. That's the other one I've got outstanding, absolutely. I, I, like, the Rumble. I like the Rumble – um, I think it's a really good storytelling show. I feel like in people's brains, they like the rumble for different reasons and they don't necessarily feel that that's a classic rumble because it's fun to go back and watch the rumble and watch eliminations and surprise entrance and, you know, the story during the show, whereas actually the story during this rumble doesn't always take place in the ring. You know, I, I think it's down because I, I love this Royal Rumble. I think it's such a well-told story and it just cracks along at a good pace. But I, I've always got the feeling that that's not people's opinion. So I think if we put this in, I don't see it winning many votes. Um, uh, whereas okay. Vince versus Shane is a different sort of thing. And also, if we're going down that Vince and Steve route, I'm not saying we couldn't have all five as being them, but we do have three. Yes. And I feel that that's plenty. And I think when if we were to do what is the best moment of Vince versus Steve, I think... McMahon, the patient, the one arm behind the back, and the easy way and the hard way are better McMahon-Austin moments than the Rumble is. So that would be my reasoning. I think that's a fair old reasoning there, my friend. So I think we have officially have our five. 
So we've got two matches, three angles. Yep. All of the Austin Vince stuff are angles. There's a couple of other matches that affect uh, Hulk Hogan and Shane. But uh, that was a very, very tricky one in some ways to get down, I, you know, in some ways. But when we got there, we've, we've been quite in uh, in agreement, really, in, in terms of coming up with that five. That's not the worst we've ever been at loggerheads. We were, we were disarmingly agreeable. Yeah, well, I think it doesn't always have to be a confrontation. I think um, I think you and I clearly got very similar tastes and very similar opinions on what the Vince McMahon character is. I think, you know, to our credit, we understand what he's there for and that he's there to get his comeuppance. I've used that phrase so many times tonight to show ass, to make the, to, to show good overcoming evil in quite an over the top comedic way, slapstick, panto, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there's very, very few that have ever done it better. So I think we're approaching, unlike some topics, I think we're approaching this one from a very, very similar viewpoint. I think it reflects our view on wrestling because I do think, and I'm not necessarily sticking the boot in here. I'm just saying it's a different opinion to mine, but I do think we could hand this to another podcast, another pair of people that, you know, love and care about wrestling just as much as we do, but have a different opinion. And their top five would be, it was me, Austin, Vince blowing his quads out, um, the beer bath, yeah, do you, do you, I mean, you know, things, things yeah, yeah. that we ruled out relatively early, um, you know, being Rick Rolls, you know, other people might include the more, I'll say the more gifable, you know, the more snackable content McMahon yeah. moments, whereas the one arm behind the back, you can't watch in a 30 second gif. You know, it's not it's not possible. The only one that comes nearest to it in this list is the Vince's face rising up. But then we do have the match. We have the match to back that up as well. Hence, why we're not necessarily including the face-to-face in the corner from the gauntlet because we can't back the rest of it up. I think we've got two or three angles from Raw, which you can go back and watch the whole show, and it would play into what we're talking about. And we've got a couple of matches in which you would encompass the whole build-up to those matches, the characters behind the matches, and then the the iconic occurrences within. So, I'm very happy with our list. I think it's a I think it's a bit of a thinker. I think people are going to see the list and go, wow, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? But I would like to think that they would listen to the last hour and 40 minutes or so and, and understand how we've come to our conclusions. Yeah, agreed. So, Rob, in, in closing, where can people go and make their choice? Because it's all right, us giving the final five, but we want the, the listeners to go and give us our definitive winner. So how can they go about doing that? hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote. That's where you go to. It's hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote. When you get there, by the time we've put this podcast live, that vote page will be ready. You will see those five choices that we have talked about presented to you, and you simply need to select the one that you believe uh, is deserving of being the, uh, the winner of this. So the single moment that you think is Vince McMahon's greatest on screen moment. That's all you need to do now. So go to hotonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote for that. While you're there, have a little look round. Uh, we'd be really appreciative if you uh, have a look at what's going on. Check out what we've got to offer. Uh, the Nitro Week stuff is uh, is on the archive now, so you can go back and look at that. Have a look at Undertaker Weekend that we did a few uh, weekends ago. Check out some of our other podcasts because there's lots of other podcasts in our stable. I think what we're we up to now six. There's there's there's, there's, uh, there's plenty. So, yeah. Plenty of different podcasts, because obviously if you're listening to this, then audio is your thing. Uh, so therefore, and there's a great range as well, because you might have sit, sat here and thought this is the first time listening to these two idiots and 
I don't agree with anything they've said. Well, you'll probably find that listening to some of the other podcasts, um, you'll find a different worldview, a different point of view, a different approach. Um, if you want up-to-date stuff, if you want British stuff, if you want WCW stuff, you want 90s stuff, there's a lot of different things for you on the podcast. That's where I would urge you today uh, is to explore the variation of podcasts, all of which that are firing out new content on a really, really regular basis. Definitely something for everyone. We did say we weren't going to do too much plugging, so I'm going to leave it there. I'll just uh, leave Paul to give any final words before I wrap this baby up. All I will say is that if you have not seen it yet, you can now check out um, this podcast. It's got its own Twitter feed, mate. We've uh, only just scratched the surface on it, but if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, How To Be Great Pod is where to go. How To Be Great Pod is our Twitter handle, so give us a check. We will be putting stuff out on there a lot more regularly in the coming weeks. Um, and other than that, that's that's a wrap for today. Let's uh, let's put a bow on it. Indeed. To find out the result of the poll, you'll need to tune into next week's uh, podcast to find out what the topic of next week's podcast is going to be. Uh, first, anyway, tune into the quiz on Sunday night. We generally uh, will tell you what the topic is going to be for the following week when we do the quiz on Sunday. So that's your best bet. But mainly, do stay tuned to our social media channels uh, because we do ask your ask the question uh, and get you to put, give some input. Um, we did that a little bit late today, which is one of the reasons we've not necessarily brought in some of the opinions because as we record, we've only really just put them up. So uh, sorry to everyone on that front. But generally speaking, we do. It was my fault because I gave Paul the topic late and it was all a bit of a mismatch about him being away at the yeah. weekend and me getting him late. So I'll hold my hands up and blame myself there. But generally speaking, we get out nice and early to you, give you some opinions, feedback on the best ones so you can play a part in this as well as doing the vote. So that's how you can get it next week. See you for all of those things. Keep it hooked on wrestling.co.uk. But mainly, just remember that it's wrestling. Enjoy it. And we'll see you very soon.